Praise the Lord, it is good to be with you tonight. It's uh, always good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Um, thank you, Pastor Paul, for allowing me to, to participate in the teachings of the Declaration of the Church of God. Scoot over just a little bit so I can kind of be centered. I'm, I'm a carpenter by trade, and everything has to be on center, okay? So no offense to the left side or the right side. Um, and my wife will tell you that those uh, carpenter traits and the obsessive compulsive things that go along with go along with that um, apply in um, every part of my life. I want to tell you a story to start off our lesson tonight. Um, but I need a name. I need, I need some help. I, need to, I want to tell you a story about an elderly lady um, at the turn of last century in England. But we need a name for her. And I don't want to, no, we're not going to use Megan, okay? We're not going to use that name. I do appreciate my daughters. I, I love my girls. And for those of you that are still taming teenagers, I will pray for you. We did it three times, um, but I'm thankful to God that I can, can tell you that, that, that my children love the Lord and serve Him and are gifted and talented, and I'm so thankful. There's no greater joy in a father's life to know that your children uh, love God and are serving Him. But we need a name. I need a name for an elderly lady. Maybe these young people can help me tonight um, with a name. An older name. Okay, we'll use Esmeralda. <laughs> I fooled you, didn't I? I want to tell you a story about Esmeralda tonight. She's an elderly lady at the turn of the last century in England. When electricity was just being introduced into homes and businesses, it had been around for a little while, but it took it some time to be able to be brought and produced and installed into residential applications. Not only that, in uh, uh, commercial applications as well. But Miss Esmeralda, she had a quaint little home on the countryside in England. And one day the power company shows up and they connect the electricity to her home. And she's happy and she now has the ability to uh, be able to see better and have uh, more conveniences in her home. But as time goes by, uh, the electrical company uh, created a method of metering electricity, which we all know about that, don't we? Uh, we pay that bill every month now. That was one aspect of electricity I wish they hadn't invented, uh, was being able to meter it. But nonetheless, they did, and they do, and we pay them every month. So Miss Esmeralda gets her power hooked up, and the company begins to meter her usage. And as the months go on and go by, the power company begins to notice that in relation to her neighbors and the surrounding uh, area where her home was, they began to notice that compared to the other places, that Miss Esmeralda's electricity bill was considerably lower than everyone else's. 
Well, they just kept watching and monitoring and paying attention. And as the months continued to go on, the powers that be decided that they needed to pay Miss Esmeralda a visit and to try to figure out why her bill was considerably less than everyone else's. So the uh, executives show up, they knock on Miss Esmeralda's door, and she comes to the door, and she greets them with a, an, a, an elderly country smile, so to say, and they begin to tell her the problem, that we are concerned about the usage of power in your home. We seem to think that there quite possibly could be a problem with the mechanics or the equipment that is installed. And we may need to check on it and see if there is a problem because we need to get it fixed if it is. Because we want to, you to consume as much as possible, of course, the power company would. Well, she begins to tell them and explain to them that she thinks that they are in error by showing up and asking her about this. And they question her as to why that, that her bill and her power consumption is so much less than their na her neighbor's. Well, she proceeds to tell them that it's not a problem with the equipment. And they say, well, can you explain it to us? And she says, I think I know what the answer to your question is. And she says, when it gets in the evening and time to have light in my home, she said, I go in and I turn my lights on just long enough to see how to light my candles, and then I turn them off. Now, what's the moral of this story, or what am I trying to tell you about this, about Miss Esmeralda? Well, understand that, number one, Miss Esmeralda's house and her home was connected to the power, it was installed inside of her home, but her life had not been altered by its presence. Mm-hmm. Okay, now look at your neighbor and say, that was the fun part of tonight. It's fixing to get real. This is one of those tough teachings, and I'm not quite sure why I was assigned with this teaching. I've known Pastor Paul for quite some time, but we haven't had a lot of fellowship time, so I don't know if, if he knows something about me that I may not be aware that he knows, and I got chosen for tonight's task and assignment for, for some other reason. It is a tough teaching. It's an important teaching. It's something that we need to have some understanding. And I'm, I'm going to bring you the layman's version tonight, okay? Is there a clock? There is a clock back there. Megan, I told Megan, I said, I will try to stay within my time frame and not infringe on your time afterwards. And now I'm getting the eye. But I'll tell you, if there's anything in our lives that should excite us, it should be the Word of God. Amen? Of all things that we can get excited about, I, I've got a, grand new, a brand new grandbaby back there, and I get excited about her. Because you know what? When she looks at me and I pull her toes or I tickle her, she lights up from ear to ear. And you wanna, if you're not a grandfather yet, you, you, you wait. You will understand what that means to a grandfather. But... The other thing in my life other than my family that excites me uh, more than anything else is the Word of God. I love God's Word. Amen. 
the Bible says that, it, that his word is, uh, gives entrance, it gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. And uh, the word of God is powerful, the Bible tells us. But tonight, we're, that's what I want to give you. I want to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to teach a lesson, uh, but I want to give you, most of all, I want to give you the word tonight. I want you to hear what God's word has to say. It is a tough word. It's a challenging word. But in being challenged, uh, we need to be changed. Come on. The, the purpose a lot of times of challenge is to bring change, especially when we're studying the Word of God. But my assignment tonight is to talk to you about the Church of God, Declaration of Faith, Article Number 6. We believe in sanctification subsequent to the new birth through faith in the blood of Christ, through the Word, and by the Holy Ghost. When we are born again, the Holy Ghost participates in our lives so that we can respond with obedience to God. We no longer pursue the same life we did before following Christ. We live in a, in a new life characterized by truth, and goodness, not sin. In this new life, we are motivated by the desire to be like Christ and to abandon wrong motives and detrimental pursuits. This new life in Christ is to be a life that is cleansed by the Holy Spirit, often referred to as a holy or sanctified life. How long has it been since we've heard terms, holy and sanctified life? Oh yeah, this life is one that allows the fruit of Christian character to grow and flourish in it. Let's look at Galatians 5 and 16, and I'm going to go through these pretty quick as we go along. So if you want to jot down the scripture references and go back later and, and reference them and study over them, which is what I hope you will do, Galatians 5, 16 through 26 Paul writing here, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, endings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Such a life of holiness requires devotion to God in one's personal life as well as expressing God's love in one's society. A life permeated with holiness 
that is a life patterned after Christ and led by the Holy Spirit is the surest sign that we are his children. Now, several years ago, and my wife doesn't like me using her as illustrations. I'll deal with it when I get home. And I'll just save you, spare you a lot of the details. We had two daughters, beautiful daughters, loved them. We, we were planning to have two children. We took measures so that we couldn't have any more children. And then after a few years, we decided that we were actually considering adopting a son. There were a lot of children in homes around where we lived in Mississippi that there were a lot of children that we thought, you know, we would love to be able to adopt a, a little boy and raise him in a Christian godly home. And so we began to just investigate at a very low level. And then one day she was at home by herself and she got to thinking, God, I want a son from my husband. Acknowledging that t measures had been taken that we couldn't, she couldn't have any more children. And just a few weeks later, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee on a construction project. And I get a, I call home that night. That's before we had cell phones. I call home that night and, uh, and we're talking and she says, well, just so you know, the test was positive. And I'm like, what test? And then it dawned on me, what are you talking about, woman? <laughs> but she laid her hands on her stomach and she said, I want a son from my husband. And God granted her prayer. And three weeks later, she was with child or discovered through going to the doctor. And he's 30-something years old this day or fixing to be 30 years old. He wouldn't appreciate me missing that. But here's what she prayed. She said, I want him to be just like his father. Now, see, she's thought about that since she prayed it because she got what she prayed for. Now, I tell you that to say this. You know, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, I believe the devil was somewhat happy. Because now that he's gone, he will quit destroying the works of the devil. But I want to tell you, just a few days after Jesus went back to be with the Father, the day of Pentecost came, the power of God was poured out, the believers were assembled, and all of a sudden, the devil didn't have one to worry about. He had 120 to worry about. And then it wasn't but just a few days after that, he had 3,120 to worry about. And shortly after that, he had 8,120 to worry about. Friend, I want to tell you, God's plan and purpose for the believer is to be just like Jesus so we can destroy the works of the enemy. Come on, give God a praise. Now, I don't know if you're going to get a preaching teacher or a teaching preacher tonight, but you know what? We need to understand that it is okay to let the Word of God excite our spirit and transform our lives. May we consider tonight the meaning of sanctification. The Greek word, well, let me say this. In the Old Testament alone, 
without even bringing in the references in the New Testament, there are over 400 references to sanctification in various forms. The meaning of sanctification, the Greek verb for sanctify is hagiadzo. It means to make holy, set apart, dedicate, or purify. The noun sanctification, hagiosmos, means holiness or separation from profane and obscene things and actions. Properly speaking, the main aspects of sanctification are separation from what is sinful and consecration to what is righteous and holy. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 declares, Know ye not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this very carefully. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, are you, or ask them, are you part of the butt bunch tonight? Huh? Come on. He said, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. I don't know about you, but that's exciting news I've heard all day long. I guarantee you, you won't find that good a news in the Daily Times or in the News Sentinel. Oh, we're online too, aren't we? I don't care. This is the best news I've heard all day long. God said this about me as his son, that I am justified, I'm sanctified by his spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, it's okay if we get excited here tonight about the word of God. Sanctification, though distinct from and subsequent to the new birth, it is a second work of grace, begins at the beginning of the Christian experience of salvation. Sanctification is so fundamental to the entire Christian life, it cannot be regarded as a single experience that only occurs once in our lives. Initially, during our conversion, we are regenerated and transformed, receiving a renewed relationship with God. Immediately, we have a desire to live according to the will of God. But following our conversion, God through sanctification breaks the power of sin over our lives. Because of this blessing, we as his children, as the children of God, can be holy and pure. That is, we are able to walk daily with God and pursue his will for our lives. Because we will not be entirely free of temptation until we are in heaven with God, we must daily allow Him to help us be Christ-like and to make our lives holy. First Peter, let's see, First Peter 1, 15 through 16. But as He which hath called you, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Let me move down 2 Corinthians. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hebrews 9, 13 through 15. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And listen to this, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Praise the name of the Lord. God through sanctification breaks the power of sin over our lives. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, I, for, be ye holy for I am holy. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Ephesians 5 and 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. The meaning of sanctification. Now let's consider the means of sanctification. Sanctification as a work of God. In the Bible, sanctification is something that God does. And in our declaration, it declares three ways. Sanctification, first of all, through the blood of faith and the blood of Christ. Scripture tells us that Christ is our sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Therefore, apart from Him, we cannot be holy. The phrase... Through faith in the blood of Christ connects sanctification to the death of Christ. We accept sanctification and appropriate it in our lives only through our faith in Him. Faith is the believing obedience that accepts the power of God. This saving power works through the death of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and enables us to be holy people. Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, Titus 2, 13 and 14. 
Our response, listen, our response to the power of the cross makes effective the new life of obedience to which God has called every believer. Secondly, sanctification through the Word of God. Sanctification rests on the death of Christ at Calvary, but it is through the truth of God's Word that we are sanctified. Christ prayed to the Father for his disciples, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. God's word communicates his truth and gives us wisdom for a spiritually balanced living. Thirdly, sanctification by the Holy Ghost. Since the Holy Spirit has given the scriptures, he will always lead believers to live according to them. He works through the Word of God, preparing and enabling us through His sanctifying work to walk in obedience to God and His Word. Although the Father and Son are involved in sanctification, the Scriptures place special emphasis on the role of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. In a society... With psychological experts, life coaches, and self-help books, Christians can sometimes mistake productivity, self-improvement, and mindfulness for sanctification. These are all good pursuits and accomplishments and include good practices and disciplines. A person doesn't have to be a Christian to be a good person, productive, or mindful. Christian can use these resources, but should not confuse personal growth with sanctification, no matter how good it is. Come on, saints. We cannot confuse personal growth with, with sanctification. Now, I don't think we would do and be doing damage to the Scripture if we were to say that you can grow in sanctification, but you cannot grow into sanctification sanctification results from the supernatural presence and power of the Holy Ghost working in the life of believers Ephesians 3 16 through 21 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, listen to this with all saints, what is the breadth and the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God." Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Unto him be glory and honor in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Hallelujah. My God, why don't you give God a praise for his word tonight? It isn't because I'm doing such a a good job. It's because he's worthy. Amen.
Hallelujah. It is it requires a change of heart. An alignment of the will with God's will. Sanctification is loving what God loves, valuing what God values, and thus sanctification goes beyond the natural. A few years ago, I was in Mississippi doing a job, something that I've, I've, I only have done once in my whole career. I always build things. I construct things. I had a customer call with a strange request. He said, I know you've built a lot for me over the years, but what I want you to do is come down here and tear something down. That's an unusual request for a carpenter. But, hey, if you want to pay for it to be tore down, Royce will tear it down for you. I have a sawzall. <laughs> and it works. So I go down, I plan the trip. We get down there, and, of course, that's 500 miles and eight hours of driving. And all the way down there. I was talking to the Lord about some situations in my life and some people in my life that I had been loving and they were not loving me back. Anybody ever been there? We all have been there. I know we have. And so graciously and patiently, the Lord just listened to me for eight hours and 500 miles and I get to the job site, and we unload the equipment, and I climb up in the equipment, and I begin to tear this house down with all of the frustration. I mean, can you imagine me on a, a, a machine almost a quarter the size of this room and looking at a house that they don't want anymore? This has got to be fun. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> I mean, that big arm stretching out there with that big bucket and that finger on it. I mean, I tore some stuff up. You hear me? I mean, I, I do think I had a little, my frustration was in those levers as I was, you know, and I got it all on the ground, and then I had the guy that was hauling it off, and I asked him, because I'd never run one of those machines before, and I asked him, I said, what's the best way to make, get as much as we can in your dump trucks so I won't have to pay you so much for so many loads? And he said, well, best thing to do is load me up, and while I'm gone, you take that machine, and you just crawl over this whole pile of debris. You just run it up on, crunch it, crush it, mash it into smallest pieces you can get it into, the more you'll get in my trucks. So here I am. I'm frustrated. I'm on that big piece of equipment. I'm running over that house. Now, I wasn't in my mind running over anybody, okay? It was the house. I was just doing a real good job of doing that. Yes, I was. And I found myself beginning to tell the Lord again about all these situations and about these people in my life that were close to me and I'd been loving them and loving on them and they just were not reciprocating that love. And I just, you know, I, Lord, if, 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 if it were me, oh yeah. And he so gently, right in the middle of all of that, more gracious to me than I was to the people I was telling him about. He says, 
how long did I love you before you started loving me back? Yes. And needless to say, the machine stopped, the bucket went down, and I had to take a moment and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I repent. I am so sorry. You are think, th thinking about that. I know how long he loved me before I started loving him back. Sanctification, being sanctified, is loving people when they're not loving you back. And doing it for the sole purpose of seeing God move in their lives in a manner that he's, they have not allowed him before. That's the cross that comes along with sanctification. People are not always going to love us like we love them. First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The Holy Spirit in believers is always working to conform our thoughts, our speech, and our actions so that we become more like Jesus. Number one, as we walk in the Spirit, He cleanses and transforms our lives daily. I'm going to just stop right here. Oh, i got plenty of time. This notion, this idea, this thought process that just says that I have encountered in people over my lifetime, you're just going to sin every day. You might as well get ready for it. Lie straight from the devil, from hell. God enables us through sanctification. He breaks that power of sin. We are no longer servants to sin. I was talking to a, to a family member one time, loves God, serves God. We have in this conversation. You see, we're talking about practical, living it out. And he tells me, well, you want, you're going to sin. You might as well. And I said, let me ask you a question. You think you could go one minute without sinning? Well, yeah, I think so. Okay, maybe five minutes without sinning. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, and I said, 30 minutes? And, you know, he began to see what I was trying to point out to him. This notion that you're going to and you have to, you, that, is, that is not true. We can live out this life of sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit as each day we live in obedience and follow His lead in our lives. As we walk in the Spirit, He cleanses and transforms our lives daily. 
we are not simply given a fresh start by the Holy Spirit and left to ourselves. Rather, in sanctification, we are led by the Spirit and we learn not to indulge in fleshly or sinful desires. As it is written, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 This means that each moment that we are completely, that we completely follow the Spirit's lead, we will not commit acts that are contrary to God's will. When we submit our lives to the Holy Spirit, we are allowing the Spirit to lead us daily. Thus, our sanctification has a dynamic dimension. It involves an ongoing relationship with God. In this relationship, the Holy Spirit transforms our lives and provides strength for our new life in Christ. A holy or sanctified life is characterized by our endeavoring to be conscious of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Throughout each day, Ephesians 4.29, Paul writing here, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 declares, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also, also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. In God's grace, God in his grace forgives our sin and teaches us through our weakness. As human beings, we are not yet perfect. And we live in an imperfect world. Until we are one day made complete and are with God in heaven, we will be confronted with temptations that appeal to the desires of the flesh. That is, temptations that appeal to our selfish desires. Some of our thoughts, choices, priorities, and actions may not be pleasing to God. We must return to God, asking Him to forgive us for our wrongdoings and shortcomings and to teach us about His will for our lives. We must daily offer our strengths and our weaknesses, allowing Him to cleanse us and make us holy so that we may be transformed to be instruments of His love, joy, and peace in this world. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2 and 1 declares, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 2 Timothy 2, 19 through 21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. 
And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. My God, there's more good news for you this evening. Hallelujah. And finally, look at your neighbor and say, whew. (laughs) Smile at me. I'm just the messenger, okay? We saw the, the meaning of sanctification, the means. And then I thought, what can I put next? What, what, what rhyme? You know, preachers want to put, give you three points, and they all want them to start with an M and, or an S or a J or whatever and kind of, kind of give you a thought flow. That's, that's what it's about is to help you understand and comprehend. Well, then I thought, well, let's talk about the me of sanctification. Sanctification is also a task of God's people. The process of putting sanctification in action is both the work of God and the work of His people. With the Holy Spirit's guidance, we are to put sanctification into action. Yes. The Holy Spirit cleanses, prepares, and empowers us for Christ-like living. But our work, while being submissive to the Holy Spirit, helps put sanctification into action in practical ways in our lives. We cannot leave our sanctification passively to the Holy Spirit alone. Once we have submitted ourselves to God for cleansing, we do not become robotic like beings who are programmed so that we are not capable of sin We continue to make choices. We have to say so long to self. Yes, we do. We are to separate ourselves from wrongdoing and commit ourselves to pursuing the things of God. As told in the Old Testament, God sanctified His people, Exodus 31, 13. But they were also told to sanctify themselves, Numbers eleven eighteen. God's people were to be faithful, separating themselves from other nations so they could be His people, Leviticus 20, 26, and could walk in His ways, Exodus 19, 5. As Christians today, the idea of separating ourselves indicates that we are to be separate from what is sinful and to be dedicated to what is righteous and godly. Now, Scripture does not support the view that Christians who are living sanctified lives will have nothing to do with non-Christians. That view is not supported by Scriptures. Now, there is a, a, a teaching, I think there is a denomination that is built on that thought, that school of thought, that they are totally separate from any connection to the world. Well, I'm glad Jesus didn't look at it like that because if he had a, 
you and I and everybody within the sound of my voice, Facebook and all, would be hopeless, helpless, and without any redemption. Jesus mingled with his world. Now, we don't support the idea that we have nothing to do with them. We are, to, as we, we are to be active in our communities in which God has placed us. We are to endeavor to point to Christ's love. We are not to attempt to draw attention to ourselves pridefully, showing how religious or good we can be. With the help of the Holy Spirit's guidance, we are to share the love of Christ through our actions and words and have a positive impact on the world around us. Philippians 2, 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Hebrews 12 and 14 declares, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We got that one Sunday. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Romans 12, 1 and 2, listen to this very carefully. Sometimes we think it's just about our mind or our spirit. God wants our bodies to be sanctified too. Come on, saints. God wants our bodies to be sanctified as well. This is not mine. Listen, I made a mess of this thing when it was mine. I'm glad that I don't own it anymore. I'm glad that I've been bought with a price. And that my body does not belong to me and I can't just do with it what I want to just because I'm housed in it. Oh, mercy. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Titus 2, 11 and 12, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Hallelujah. It is through a disciplined life that the grace of God is allowed to continue working in our life so that we may experience spiritual growth. The strength to live the disciplined Christian life is a gift from God. As we come to God daily, inviting Him to cleanse our lives to lead, and to lead us, He will give us the strength that we need to do His work. With His blessing, we are able to continue in grace, endeavoring to work out in everyday life what the Holy Spirit has worked in us. Paul emphasized this truth when he urged the Philippian believers, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Since God was working in the Philippians' hearts through the Holy Spirit, they were expected with the Holy Spirit's help 
to strive constantly to avoid sin and to live lives that expressed God's holiness in practical ways. God's purpose for our life and our lives is to be sanctified. This is not done through our determination, resolve, willpower, or our own strength, but by the Holy Spirit as we yield our lives to His control and are filled with Him. Every aspect of our being, soul, spirit, and body, is to be submitted to God for Him to conform us to the likeness of Christ. There are no shortcuts to holiness and the Spirit-led life. And in this context, we can boldly say we are in this world, but we are not of this world. If I had come, if, 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 if we had had service yesterday after what all I was doing and I had come in here and I hadn't had time to get cleaned up, which you would not have appreciated, unless you like the smell of goat. I mean, I sweat when I work. I sweat when I teach. I sweat when I preach. I sweat, I sweat all the time. I would have had mud. There were dirt. There was dust. There was, I mean, it was all over me. I didn't, I didn't look as pretty yesterday as I do tonight. I need one from you. That yeah, okay. <laughs> but you know what? That might have been on me, but it wasn't in me. We got to go out there. And it can get on you, but just don't let it get in you. Huh? Amen. Romans 8:13. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you say amen to the Word of God? I want to, oh, I got 10 minutes. I think I have time. I started not to share this story, but I think I want to. It may help somebody tonight. And that's, that's all I want to do is I want to help someone. I want the Word of God to, to change our lives. I want it to 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 direct us and to transform us into the people that God has purposed and planned for us to be. I know that we make mistakes, we fall short, and we have an advocate that we can call on that intercedes. And, and God, we've already read that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Several, several years ago, long before we ever moved to Mississippi, we were a 
attempting to plant a church, a small church. And uh, Pastor Paul can attest to this. Sometimes you you think it's a God, it's a good thing, but it's not always a God thing. You're wanting to do a good work. You're wanting to make an impact on the community. And and we targeted people that we knew were unchurched. We didn't go after, we didn't proselyte. We didn't go after people in the community that were involved in other churches. We intentionally uh, canvassed our neighborhoods and, and found people that were unchurched. And we ministered to them. We took them uh, my wife and the other ladies of the church on Saturdays would, would bake a, some kind of little small banana bread or cake. And, and I used to, in, in order just to kind of a way to break the ice when I knocked on doors and, and were inquiring of, of, of their attendance to church anywhere, I would, we would have these little loaves. And I said, I don't know if it's cake or bread. I just know it's good. And we would give them a loaf, and we, we, we had several outreach ministries we were trying to implement, and it just didn't work, brother. It's just one of them things. It didn't work. But during the course of that, one Sunday, and you know when you're, when you're younger and you want to help people, you'll do some crazy stuff at church. You'll come up with some ideas. Well, I got this bright idea. I thought, you know, the Bible says that Jesus' name is above every name, that at his name knee will bow, tongue confess. Well, that was my text. That was my scripture for that evening. And I thought, Lord, I want to I I help somebody tonight. So here's what I come up with. I thought, I, I knew a little about the families that we had. I didn't know everything. I didn't want to know everything. So I got this, I thought, what could I use to illustrate the visual that they could see, that that they could, just something. So I came up with this idea. I got this, I wanted a big box, not a little box. My box was big when Jesus found me. So I got, the biggest box I could find was a washing machine box. That's a pretty good sized box. So I wrote names all over that box. Past, present, hang-ups, heartaches, habits. I mean, I put stuff all over that box, you know, and then, and then at the top I put the name of Jesus. So I go in there that, and I, I, I tied a string through it, and I tied that string around me. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I know. I told you it was crazy. But I intend on helping somebody that night. So the first thing I did, we, we were in a little store, an old store that didn't, it was, used to be a little convenience store. We turned it into a church and a building to, to worship in and have church in. Well, it was small, the rooms were small. We took the inner room, which was the largest room, to make a sanctuary out of it. But it was just standard-sized doors, just a regular 36-inch door entering into each room, not very big. So I let everybody get in the church that evening. And then I came up last, and I got my box, and I tied it to me, and of course, the first thing I get to is the entrance door there, and I can't get through it. I can get through it, but my box won't come in the sanctuary. My box won't let me in the sanctuary. All of that stuff that I had written on it, that was my box, and I couldn't get in the sanctuary. Well, I called a couple of brothers. I said, y'all going to have to help me get in the Oh, my God, I feel that even now. Y'all going to have to help, y'all, that's a Mississippi term in case we, y'all going to have to help me if y'all want me in the sanctuary tonight. So they did. They came in and we kind of 
formed, crusted a little bit and got it in. Of course, once we got through the door, that thing opened back up. It popped back up as big as it was. Well, to make this, I don't want to make this as long as it could be. We got started in service. And, of course, I had to have some help getting back here with my box. I couldn't hardly fit because the room, I didn't have much room up front with the chairs and everything. I had the box back here, and they had to help me get the box back there so I could preach. Well, you know, it's kind of hard when you want to preach and you want to get out here like this. Well, what happens? You got something that hangs up behind you. Your box is dragging behind you. Well, I couldn't go down the aisles of the church, and they appreciated that because of my box would hang up when I tried to get between the chairs. Well, on and on, and you see where this is going. You understand the, the illustration here. Well, after that service over, I tell you what, God moved. He touched some people's heart. They responded to God. We had a beautiful altar service. The Holy Ghost touched, I think, everybody in there. I mean, everybody had a box. Well, here's the thing. You know, when you're young, you think you're smart and you know some stuff. We got through with that service, and I tell you what, I was on cloud nine. I mean, God just moved. He, I, it just, you know, and that's you want to put a preacher on cloud nine as you let see see God move in His people's lives, see their lives transformed by His presence and His power. That will put a preacher on cloud nine, because that's the love you want. That's that's the whole purpose is to see people's heart and their life changed, not just interrupted, not just visited, but changed. So that was, so, and I thought, you know, I got this idea, another one. I thought, you know, I've never actually seen where people just get, it, get rid of it all at one time. So I thought, after the service, I thought, you know what we're going to do? I said, y'all put that box, and it's this next room, and this little place was a little, like they had a Sunday school class. We put that box in there. I said, now. If anybody shows up for church and you got your, you're, you're struggling with something that was on that box, it's, it's crept back up, and it's, you know, it's, I said, just bring that box back out here and we'll know we need to pray for somebody. Every Sunday for a month, the box was back out in front of my pulpit. I mean, it was every service that box was sitting out there. And I thought, oh, God, what have I done? Lord, I, don't, I thought I was doing something good, but now I don't want to see that box every time I come to church. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, you just put the box in another room. You didn't get it out of the house. He said, get the box out of the house. And I am afraid that oftentimes all we do is move it from room to room. Sanctification, hallelujah, gets the box out of your house. Would you stand with me just a moment? I'm just going to pray over us and pray for us. and Just a real simple prayer. Father... Just as you, as Jesus, prayed for his disciples, I just want to ask you tonight, as your child, as a born-again son of God, sanctified and filled with your Holy Spirit, 
Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Father, let your word permeate not just our hearts, but our lives daily, throughout the day. And I pray that our quiet time, our special moment, moments with you will grow, that throughout every day, all day long, that we can be mindful of you in our lives, that our lives can take on that dynamic dimension in our relationship with you. Father, I pray for these young people tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue the work that he has begun and that they too can have the confidence in the work that you began, you will finish in their lives. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for that transforming power that it has in our lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, wasn't that good? That was awesome. Amen. May he, he who has begun a good work in you be with you until the day of completion. Amen. Amen. So so thankful. Um, take a minute. Greet somebody. Love on them. Let them know you're happy to see them tonight. Um, young people, I need to see all of you for just one minute. All right? All of you guys, hang out. Y'all in trouble. <laughs>